Lord, we come to worship you, and we're amazed that you are, you are the holy God, high and lifted up, and yet you are close and personal, that you invite us to come to you. You invite us to call you Father. You invite us to enter into your presence with confidence. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you've done. And our prayer is now that you would, by your Spirit, open up our eyes and our minds and our hearts. Lord, as we open your Word, would you, would you please inform our minds by your Spirit? Would you open our hearts and would you shape our wills and our identities more fully into your image this day? For we ask it in your precious name. Well, I am certainly looking forward to the um, chance. Oh, we got kids going out right now. Is that right? We got somebody in the background going like this. So if, you've, if, you're, if, uh, if you are of a younger age and you'd like to participate in that, this would be a time to head on back. Thanks for the reminder on that. It's always interesting up here in front of the lights because it's like shadows back there. Not sure what's going on. But I tell you, I am really, really, really looking forward to this chance to um, journey through the book of Philippians with you. Uh, the book of Philippians really was uh, instrumental in my own early years as a follower of Christ. Uh, many of my early Bible memory verses came from all of those chapters in that little book. Uh, also, when I was traveling back and forth from home to college, I actually uh, recorded on a cassette tape. Remember those cassette tape things, you know? I had a cassette tape. I recorded the book of Philippians on it so that I could listen to it on the way to and from school. Uh, and I realized in thinking about this that uh, two of my summers during college years were spent on a summer missions project stateside with crew, and the focus was Philippians, the book of Philippians. So uh, I am eager. There's a ton of stuff in this book, and I am eager to learn with you and just have the Lord take us deeper still. Well, last week we, uh, we saw that God brings us together in community, and today we want to recognize how he uses that community to, um, to help transform us into his image. And we're going to do that by looking at three little verses in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This is Paul's prayer. It's a very short prayer with Paul then describing what he expects to happen as God answers that prayer. So let's just dive right into that today. Um, this is the prayer that, that Paul prayed and what he expected. He writes, And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That's the prayer, here's the response, or the result. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is Paul's prayer. And I think it, it communicates for us this idea that what Paul thought was the most important thing that God could give to his friends at Philippi was this kind of abounding love. I think it's interesting to note that, that there's no physical need that Paul is praying for God to meet. Now, nothing's wrong with praying for physical things, right? I mean, we do that all the time, and it's a good and right thing, but I think it's good for us to recognize here at the start that that the physical realm is just one context for prayer, and it's not the primary one. Because our spiritual transformation is not dependent upon our physical comfort. So for the next few moments, I just want to take apart this prayer. Okay, we're going to go line by line through it, almost word by word. We want to take apart this prayer and consider what the result Paul was expecting means. And then for the second half of the sermon, 
I want to talk a little bit about how the prayer impacts us today. So Paul lays it out for us. He says, and this is my prayer, pretty clear. This is my prayer that, you may, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So the first thing on Paul's mind and the primary desire he has for God to answer in their lives is that their love might abound. I think it's interesting that love does not have an object, does it? He's not saying that your love for one another, that your love for God, that your love for... He doesn't say that your love might abound. He's saying, I want your love, your love for God, your love for yourselves, your love for others, that this might really grow more and more for all people. Now the word abound can also be overflowing and it's really a beautiful word that characterizes what the kingdom of god is all about so so just let this image that you're going to see on your screen behind me or on your tv just let this image be something that um, that communicates to you as you hear these words describing god's kingdom okay because in christ the church overflows in hope in christ the church overflows in faith in word in knowledge in zeal and wisdom Ministry overflows in edification and excellence. Christians overflow, they abound in generosity, thanksgiving, every good work, and in their ability to comfort. And finally, in Christ, grace overflows. Romans 5, 5 says that God has poured out his love, poured out, think about water, pouring out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he's given us. So, so just like water that pours into our lives, pours into the bucket of our lives, God is pouring his love into us. And as that love pours into us, it begins to fill us and it begins to touch and correct and modify and change our motivations and our attitudes and our actions. And then as we are being changed, as we are being transformed, that same love that touched and transformed us begins to flow out over us, to splash around and touch everyone around us. That's the image we're going to carry with us now, this bucket being filled to overflowing. But this love that Paul talks about is not just some nice sentimental feeling or it's not the freedom to let people do whatever they want to do. Because this love has boundaries, doesn't it? It's the boundaries of knowledge, depth of insight. Now the word Paul uses for knowledge is a word that, that, that weighs heavily on the, on the uh, religious knowledge that is revealed far more than an earthly knowledge that is developed, okay? So the knowledge God reveals to us about himself, his son, his plans, his purposes, his will, and our need, this is the knowledge that we begin to grow in depth of insight. And depth of insight is simply our ability to apply the truth of what God has revealed. So in the midst of all of our differing options in the world that are out there, it's the depth of insight that God gives us from what he has revealed that allows us to align our lives in such a way that we become aligned with God's gospel and God's kingdom. Paul prays that they would grow in knowing what God has revealed so that they might apply what they know in God-honoring ways. And the result is that they would discern what is best. Now, you know, we look at social media and our world, and I mean, there are so many options for what we could do out there, right? I mean, all kinds of different ways to think, all kinds of different things we can do. This kind of love that abounds, that we use knowledge and depth of insight that God has revealed to us from the Holy Spirit, 
This kind of love can lead us to apply options and do things that um, other worldviews would think are kind of weird. For instance, it might cause us to do something that's not best for me. It might cause us to act in a way that's best for community because that's what God has as the priority. It's the kind of love that, that emphasizes things that the world doesn't understand. It emphasizes that weakness is a greater way to give God glory than in strength. And so the love that abounds in knowledge and depth of insight might have me more embracing my weakness than my strength. Embracing and accepting an illness or a failure or a struggle that I'm in because I know it will give God the greater glory. This kind of insight only comes through knowledge that comes from a God who loves us enough to tell us what we really need to know. Now, the author of Hebrews uh, taught that the, that the mature Christian, and the mature is the one that has, has, has been with God's revealed word, his, his, uh, his knowledge, the word that he reveals, has taken God's word, has spent enough time with it that they are able to discern, Hebrews 5.14, able to discern the best from the good and the good from the evil. But the results of this kind of abounding love don't just stop here. Paul continued, so that you might be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So part of the result is we're going to be pure. In other words, evil will not be mixed in with us. That we're going to be blameless. A blameless person does not stumble and does not put a stumbling block in front of someone else. Simply expressed, Paul is praying that his prayer, that even in this fallen world, his friends would live out the salvation they had already received. That they would be growing in their ability to live fully into the kingdom of God that's already in our presence, but not yet fully consummated. Because while we know, while Paul knows and we know, that we will not fully enter into that reality until Christ we were, uh, re returns, Philippians 1.6, right? He also expects that the people at Philippi and Christians all around the world will be growing into this life transformation. So if this is where we're going to be when Christ returns, we are working our way through it right now, preparing for that moment when Christ returns. And so he then concludes his prayer, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the praise, to the glory and praise of God. Pretty simple stuff. We know the fruit of righteousness is the transformed character that our new lives display as we imitate and reflect the glory of God or the, the, the image of Christ. Like water pouring into a bucket, this is not self-generated, right? The fruit of righteousness is a fruit that God gives to us. And this brings the praise and glory to God. It brings praise and glory to God from two different sources. It gives praise and glory to God from inside the community as those inside experience this kind of love. And it gives praise and glory from outside the community as those outside witness this kind of love. So, that's the prayer, and those are the results that Paul was expecting to see as God would answer that prayer. Rather than focus on their physical needs, Paul put the priority on their spiritual transformation. And as it was for them, so too it is for us. But our transformation, the transformation of our character into the likeness of Jesus Christ is something that will happen and is something that's expected to happen even as we walk through this fallen world. Now, we understand this, but how do we get it? 
How do we position our buckets so that we are positioned so that the, the abounding flow of God's love is just going right into the center of our bucket, filling us, changing us, transforming us, and overflowing to other people? What do we do to do that? Well, like many of you, I uh, grew up in the faith by learning that there were three primary things needed for that kind of spiritual growth, right? Uh, there's truth, first of all. So you, you give yourself to God's Word, right? You, you, you read God's Word, you study God's Word, you allow God's Word to touch your heart. There's truth. There's choice as you choose to obey God's Word. And there's power as you uh, rely on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be able to empower you to be able to fulfill the choices that you make. It's truth, it's choice, it's power. I wonder. Those things are real, those things are true, but I wonder. I wonder if it's missing something. What would happen if we put the word love in front of that three words uh, sequence? So rather than just truth, choice, and power, it's love, truth, choice, and power. That's what Paul says, doesn't he? He uses that sequence in this prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge depth of insight. Knowledge is God's truth revealed to us in Scripture. The depth of insight is the way we apply that truth. It's the choices we make and what we're going to do with that truth. It all begins with love, truth, and choice, and the power of the Holy Spirit is just interwoven throughout everything. It is all three, all four are necessary, but notice that love is the one that begins it all. I find that over my life that many can talk easily about the content of God's love. You know, it's high, it's wide, all kinds of great things about God's love. But, but when we start talking about our experience with God's love, the words don't flow quite as easily. We, we kind of stumble around a little bit. What about you? What's your experience with God's love? You can describe its content. That's great. But how can you describe your experience with how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you? And how have you come to know, there's that word again, to know this love that surpasses knowledge? Like an endless flow of water filling the bucket of your life until you overflow and allow what filled you to splash over onto everyone else that's around you. Recently, I've been... Um, trying to think about God's love in a slightly different way for me. It might, might be not be different for you, but it's different for me. Um, I realize that, that God is my heavenly Father, right? So I've been trying to think about my relationship with God through the lens of my earthly parents. As children, we connect to our parents, and we develop a love attachment to them. And at a foundational level, it is a key person in our life, a key adult in our life that really trains us. The person that we have an attachment love to is the one who trains us how to be a human being, right? How to relate to other people. And so if, the, if that relationship is filled with difficulty and struggle, that attachment love is not going to help us relating to other people. But if it's filled with some really healthy things, then it's a very beautiful thing. And so we got some issues going on there. Now, the first attachment most of us experience is going to be with our mothers. She is the one who bears us, right, gives us birth. She's the one who's the first one to hold us close. Uh, she's the one that sustains our life, often from her own bodies. 
but she's not the only one. She takes first place, but there are others. Dad is also a very significant part of that. And in many realities, there are grandparents and others, and there are other key primary adults in our youngest years that become the source of our understanding of self and our source for how we approach the world. So what happens? What happens if we receive God's love in such a way that we begin to believe at the very depth of our soul that he is the true source of our life? He is the one who sustains us. And what happens as we, as we interact with his love and his presence in us that we begin to allow that love to inform us of who we are and how we approach the world? Viewing love as an attachment has helped me understand and experience God's love in some new ways. You know, this is the, the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That speaks volumes to me. There's a lot there for me to ponder and think about and, and act on. You shall attach yourself to the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It says the same thing. I don't know, for me, there's a, a new vibrancy, a new color that goes with it. See, God's love for me attaches me to him. And God's love for you attaches you to him. But because he loves you in that way and he loves me in that way, that means that we are attached as well. And as we learn to live in, a, in abounding love with knowledge and depth of insight, that kind of growth is going to change the way that we learn to relate to each other. We know that our Heavenly Father provides us all the spiritual food we need and all the physical food we need, right? We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He gives us the bread. He gives us the mouth of God. We need both of those things. We know that our life is found, our source of our life is found in Him, and He is the one who sustains our every moment of every day. When the depth of His love and commitment to us begins to sink in, begins to transform the way that we relate to him, think about worship, think about the way we walk through the world, that we relate to him and the way that we relate to the people he loves. Now, you and I both know that there are many people in the world that have had such a terrible experience in their young years in the way that their mother or their father treated them or in the way that their primary adult treated them. They had such a difficult time with that, that the thought of attachment love to any being, there's just nothing there. It's just so, so raw that there's nothing there they can attach to. At the same time, if you're a parent and you've had a few years under your belt, you know that you're not loving your kids perfectly. You're making mistakes. I know I, I talk to my kids about it. <laughs> Get some counseling, you need help. I can't help you with that. I'm screwed you up, you know. Um, uh, my, my point is this, that, that, that every parent makes mistakes. So every experience of attachment love in this world is lacking in some way. Some is lacking in significantly deep and painful ways. Others are lacking in less painful ways, but all of them are lacking. And I believe that God wants to fill that lack to fill that void with an experience of his love through one another in the church. I mean, one reason the church is called the body of Christ is it's because through us, 
we are able, I'm through you to me and me to you and to us to one another, we are able to experience God's love for us because we are the body of Christ. We are representing Christ. Now, we don't do that perfectly yet, do we? But we can certainly practice it. By practicing within the body of Christ what is already true about us in Christ, we are more fully conformed to the image of Christ. By practicing within the body of Christ what is already true about us in Christ, we are more fully conformed to the image of Christ. In Jesus, you and I are already forgiven. <laughs> We're accepted and acceptable in Jesus Christ. We don't have anything to hide from God because we know that nothing that we reveal is going to make any difference in the relationship we have with him, right? And the same is true for you and me. There's no reason for me to hide anything from you and no reason for you to hide anything from me. So when I screw up and I hurt you or when there is a, a, uh, a rift in our relationship in the body of Christ, we have the opportunity to practice what God has already made true in us as we learn to live into what, once, what, 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 what one day will be. So it can work out something like this. I, I screw up and I go to you and I say, hey, Something is just amiss here between us. I'm just sensing that, that somewhere along the way we are not acting like Christ would want us to act. I'm sorry for the things I have done that have brought this about. I didn't mean to do that. Can, can we practice it again and get back to the place where God would want us to be? Marriage is a fantastic uh, uh, place to practice this kind of thing because, you know, a marriage of a, a Christian husband to a Christian, Christian wife uh, is a spiritual community, right? And I'll tell you, once Anne and I learned, honey, it's going to be okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at her. She's looking at me right now. Uh, once, once Anne and I learned how to, um, that, that we really could trust one another, that, that, that nothing we could do would reduce the amount of love, respect, or commitment that we had to each other. Once we learned that, it opened up a whole new level of relational possibilities for us. So, there was, uh, when tensions begin to rise, and I use that word in the present tense because they still do. I mean, 35 years into it, we're still learning, we're still practicing. When tensions begin to rise, I'll put it from my own perspective, I can say, hold on, honey, I'm sorry, time out a second here. I don't feel like I'm acting in a way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ or reflects him to you properly. I don't know what's going on, but, what I, but my attitude toward you or my words I'm saying to you or my body language to you right now is, is just off. And I might say, I don't know why it's off right now. Or I could say, you know, I think I'm afraid that, that you're going to make some conclusion about me, and so I'm trying to protect my... I, I, if I know what it is, I'll say it. If I don't know what it is, I'll say, I don't know what it is. But I want to apologize to you and ask your forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? And, and could we just hit the rewind button for two minutes or two days or two hours or whatever it was and go back to that moment, go back to that conversation and practice it again? and see if we can come out with a different result. Flowing from the love that God has given us and guided by the knowledge that he has revealed and aided by the spiritually empowered depth of insight, we practice being Jesus Christ to one another. The more we practice being Christ to one another, the more our motivations begin to change. And the more our motivations begin to change, the more our actions begin to reflect Jesus. 
as we find ourselves being transformed through the experience of God's love that we have through each other. So, where does all this leave us? Well, we know that Paul's prayer was for God's love to transform them as individuals and as a church into Christ's image. And we know that Paul was expecting that that transformation would begin now and would be completed when Christ returns, and that that transformation was from him alone. It's not something that we generate in and of ourselves. And we know that if transformation is not taking place, if there is not even incremental growth in, uh, in, in growing into Christ-likeness, then something's amiss. Maybe the bucket's not quite rightly positioned to receive the inflow of love that is coming in. So, what do we do with that now? Well, uh, to begin, let's, let me give you three practical thoughts that we could do. First of all, uh, simply begin where you are. You've heard me say this so many times over the years, that God accepts you as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way, right? So just as Jesus did with Nicodemus, he met Nicodemus at night in the cover of darkness to, because of Nicodemus' fear. He met the woman at the well in noontime to cover her shame. He met Peter in John 21 at the shores of the Sea of Galilee in the midst of his, his fear, his despair, his failure. In the same way that Jesus did that for them, he does it for us. He meets us where we are. So no matter what kind of pain you carry, no matter what kind of secrets you hold, no matter what you are going through today, no matter even what level of faith you have, Jesus meets you where you are. He says, okay, that's where you are. That's where we'll begin. Come, follow me. So begin where you are. Second, look for ways to regularly experience your Father's sustaining love regularly experience your father's sustaining love you can do that through his word right there are so many ways to bring god's word into our hearts and the thing is we do it regularly let me give you one little thought uh, there is a phone app out there that i'm just really enjoying these days it's called lexio 365 l-e-c-t-i-o i pronounce it lexio it's from the latin root all this fun stuff but lexio 365 um, put that on your phone and i would encourage you every day this month just to follow that example, to, to enter into that experience, to engage with God through his word as you're guided by this app. It takes 10 minutes a day. It's not so much the length of time, it's the consistency of doing it every day, of sitting under the flow of God's love, having him speak to you, and you responding to him. My guess is you do that for a couple of weeks, you'll be doing it for a whole lot longer than just February. As you can experience the Father's sustaining love in his word, you can also do that in his world. Here's a little simple thing that you can do. Um, in just one week, in the week that's ahead, pick one piece of food that you eat. It could be your breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Okay, and every day pick a different piece of food. Uh, and just take a few minutes to list what it took to get that piece of food to your table. If, it is, if it's plant-based, start with the creation of the seed. If it is animal-based, start with the animal's birth. All that it took place, all the care, all the fertilizer, all the food, all the right weather, all the machines, all the people, all the bakeries, everything else that it took to get that food to your table. And when you do that, it's fascinating. But it opens some interesting doors in our understanding of our own selves 
and then our experience of God and just how dependent we are and just how much of a supplier he really is. And finally, practice your father's enduring love in community. Your family or your grow group is a great place to start here. If you want to be a little bit more intimate, uh, you can do this with your spouse or with a dear friend. Or hey, maybe God's put you next to somebody who's got the same heart that you have in this. You both want to grow in Christ. Get together. We call this spiritual friendships at Covenant, okay? Where you get together to encourage each other in your growth in Christ. Get together and just lay out what it is that God has already said is true about you, right? Uh, phenomenal, all the stuff that God says is true. This is true for you in God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is right now. So lay out all is true, and then begin practicing living what is already true to you today. Do that in these relationships, and just see what happens. Jesus said that the Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. <laughs> so go ahead, take him at his word. And begin to live in the kingdom this way. Now, whenever I talk about this kind of spiritual friendship in your grow group or one-on-one -on -one or whatever, um, I know that there are two things people think about. First of all is trust. I mean, you're telling me that I can open up with a person just like I can open up with God. I'm saying we can get there. Um, what I have found over time is that the more that I trust a person and open up with them, appropriately testing the waters, making sure it's safe. That's okay, God understands. The more I do that, the more that person does it with me. And the more we find ourselves coming together. Trust is one thing that we're concerned about. The second thing we're concerned about is, is capacity, right? I mean, we all have so much on our plates and we only have a limited amount of emotion we can give to people. And this was a struggle for me for years. And then a dear friend reminded me of God's economy, <laughs> that, that we never run out of love. The bucket is constantly being filled, and the more we express love to God, the more we express love to others, the more God gives us that love that flows out of us. And it's a step of faith to step into that and say, let me give it a try. And a thought just crossed my mind. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share this, because what we're talking about is growth in Christ, and there are places where there are barriers to growth, right? These are things that have moved the bucket away so the water can't even get in there. One of those barriers, men, brothers, is pornography, and something that has been spiking during COVID is the whole use of porn. I don't know where you might be in that. I'm talking to many people right now online and in person, but if, if the Lord is stirring in you a desire to uh, find some freedom from that so that you can put your bucket back underneath God's abounding love, just contact me, would you? We're going to get a small group of, of men together who are serious about this, who really want to make a difference. So I'm going to encourage you to give me a call or uh, send me an email. Uh, it's a limited number of folks, so um, uh, you might want to move quickly on it because once it's full, it's full. Just a little side light that just came to mind just now. So here it is. Begin where you are. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Begin where you are because that's where Jesus is. Experience your Father's sustaining love as you do that in his word and in the world. And practice your Father's enduring love. And then be ready to express the love that begins to fill and overflow from you. Would you please pray with me? So Lord Jesus, we give you thanks this day your spirit and the way that your spirit does indeed flow into us with your love. Lord, we pray that you would allow your love to abound in us more and more with knowledge and depth of insight. 
And Lord, we pray that you would help us to see who you really are, to show us the depth of your love for us. We invite you to not only change our minds, but also our affections and our actions to help us learn to love you and love one another in new ways. Help us to align our lives with your purpose. We invite you, Lord, to shape us into your image again and again and again until that day when you return to finish the work. All we are and all we have is your gift. So we surrender all we are and all we have back to you, the creator and sustainer of our lives. Lord, as we enter this time of song, let this be our prayer, our ongoing prayer to you.